By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. So the first episode of Corona Movie Club, we were discussing Steven Soderbergh's 2011 film, Contagion. Um, I assigned this movie mostly because I think I'm funny, um, and we're all in isolation because there's a virus uh, ravaging the planet, um, as is happening in Contagion. Uh, there isn't a lot of specific plot that happens in this movie, so I don't have to tell you a ton going in. It's basically just... There's a virus, Gwyneth Paltrow is a patient zero, Matt Damon's immune because of course he is, and that's all you really need to know. It's just a virus. It's going down. Um, people on this call, uh, my voice, this is Kelly Bedard, your host, talking to you right now. Um, also joining us on the call, we had Hilary Wardinger, Alex Uriarte, Matthew Yipchuk, Steve Vargo, Beth McNeil, and Laura Hubbard. Um, so I hope you enjoy the episode, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay, so we're going to start going around the horn with, um, so you learn everybody's voices. Alex, you go first. Hi, guys. I am I am Alex. I'm Beth. Hi. Hi, I'm uh, Vargo. I'm Hillary. I'm Matt. <laughs> everybody's being very attentive about not wanting, because it's a very large call. Um, so... Not wanting to step on everybody else's voices. We're so Canadian. Oh my I know. God. We're also like, no, you, no, you. It's hilarious. Everybody else is American, though. <laughs> We've got sort of like half and half. So it's an interesting combination of uh, types here. This is the only way we can talk across borders at this point. <laughs> Sadly, oh. this is the only way we can talk to anyone, like even our neighbors. <laughs> Oh dear. Um, so speaking of, we are all in some form, of, some form of isolation or quarantine or whatever. Um, how scary was Contagion? Terrifying. So terrifying. <laughs> terrifying. Right? Very familiar right now. Yeah. So we watched this week. We watched uh, Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, which came out in two thousand and eleven. 
and has this like gigantic ensemble cast to me it felt kind of like a like a weird non-genre adherent version of love actually or valentine's day (laughs) or you know like any of those ones with just like a ton of people no real story but a bunch of independent threads just coming together and trusting us to like follow because like oh yeah that one's matt damon oh yeah that one's kate winslet like we know them Um, is that how you guys felt about this movie? Did you see the love actually <laughs> elements happening in Contagion? Like, I didn't, I didn't connect the dots, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was some that seemed sort of, uh, like Matt Damon's story. I didn't care too much about like the focus around it. Cause it didn't seem to be, uh, throughout the whole movie. Um, so it was just like, it should have been more, I don't know, maybe separated. Uh, all yeah, these well, different storylines. I didn't think like when you actually break down the movie, um, like some of the people didn't didn't aren't familiar with the movie, and I was trying to think of like how is a concise way to con- sum up this plot. And other than there is a mass contagion, and it starts with something involving China and Gwyneth Paltrow, <laughs> and ends up destroying the world until Lizzie Bennett, whose last na- the actress's last name I can't pronounce, so I'm just going to call her Lizzie Ely? Bennett. Ely. Um, Ely. There you go. But I'm going to still call her Lizzie Bennett. Um, she <laughs> she saves us all and comes up with a vaccine, and that's it. And there's no real story, but it's all these like individual threads of like people contributing and also making it worse. Uh, there's no like film structure happening. No, Matt, you went to film school. Was there fi- I, film structure? <laughs> um, there was film structure very indirectly, like it tied together at the end in kind of a very contrived way, uh, which in some ways I appreciated, but also kind of felt like a cop out. But not just, it's very much just an episodic exploration of the world during a time of crisis, for better or for worse, or it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, did anybody connect with any of the particular threads? Anyone want to talk about something specific? Somebody, I think it was you, Kelly, that said that it's about a disease that comes from China and something to do with Gwyneth Paltrow. That's how I felt when I saw the goop lab. Um. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I liked the episode about um, in- intuitiveness and empathy and connecting with others, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I found in, value in goop lab <laughs> i guess in terms of like the the timeline that they set is a really good structure i think uh, of the movie that ties it all together so just the day by day or like what day are we on how many deaths all that sort of thing i think that's a really yeah. good way to tie everything together I would have appreciated some sort of like gooey situation, like a countdown on the screen or some sort of like statistical updates in that, like to show us more of that progression. Yes. Because it does get really bad really fast. um, And keeping an eye on that. Because that's, I know, like for me, with what we're all going through right now with Corona, that's something I'm doing every day is checking that kid, you know, the teenager who made that website that updates every second. I check his site every day. For the new statistics because i'm a masochist part of me wants to know the url for that and part of me really doesn't <laughs> it's on my facebook page <laughs> if you guys want to go check um i linked to it i think it was really cool mostly because he's 17 and i think it's impressive coding yeah i, um, I agree that like having those other uh those other like uh, numbers on the screen every time they put a new day on would have been a lot better 
Yeah. Just like to help with the, both with the clarity and with the like suspense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Um, for such a high stakes situation that they set up in the movie narratively it's pretty low stakes like matt damon's family dies Mm. within the first like five minutes and then the rest of it is just a very factual representation of how the world is kind of declining and it's sort of intense but not on any personal level which was a little like not hard to get through but i feel like this movie is really good for right now as a captivating way to educate people on how viruses can spread really quickly. But if we weren't living in this situation and if I weren't able to connect so many things that I was seeing on screen with like how I've had to learn to live my life over the past 10 days, it would just be kind of a meh situation. I want to ask a question then. When did this movie come out? 2011. Yeah. Which is super scary because there's like, I thought I had never heard the word social distancing before. And then uh, Lawrence Fishburne said it in the movie. Everything's there. And um, Jude Law plays this, this sort of conspiracy theory guy who's peddling these supplements that are supposed to cure the disease and all that stuff. And like Alex Jones is literally doing that. So it's like this movie predicted the future. It's creepy. (laughs) I saw this movie when it came out in theaters. Um, and like very amusing with myself that I was like, I know what's going to happen in this movie. And yet I'm watching it again. Maybe not the best idea. <laughs> here we but go. Yeah. Watching it in real life. Like I'm sitting here in Miami, Florida, half the people I know have seen contagion. And I literally 20 minutes ago, got a text message. Hi everybody. It's my dad's birthday. We're thinking about going out on the boat. Wow. No um, yeah. we know that people might not be comfortable, but there will be marks on the boat. And it's, We've all seen this movie. We've all seen it replicated in art, and now we're living it in real life. Why don't why do we make a change? Yeah, and like we're like everything is canceled here. Like my friend's wedding was supposed to be on the weekend, and that's canceled. My mom's birthday was canceled. Our award show was canceled. Every theater piece in the world, every sport, <laughs> like everything's over. Um, and yet I'm looking out my window and I'm seeing a people, a group of people standing like very close together, uh, playing with their dogs. Well, I it's think, like no one's I mean, learning the lessons from Gwyneth Paltrow that they're supposed to be learning. <laughs> well, no one takes her seriously anymore after Goop. I think that's just maybe the first problem. Maybe that's the problem. But maybe it's also... that's the, they put, chose Gwyneth Paltrow as patient zero and no one's taking her seriously. <laughs> it is also really interesting to think about this movie from the point of view of someone who has a public health degree, a.k.a. me. Because it is incredibly realistic. I mean, just the science behind it. I'm not a virologist, so I can't say how the science on that sense works. But it doesn't surprise me in the slightest that no one is following, that people aren't following social distancing rules or anything along those lines. Because people don't ever take their, like, there's, it's a very real belief in people's minds that this won't happen to me and this doesn't apply to me and I'm special and that crosses all cultures and all boundaries and, um, and all, you know, everything. So I think it's really, it doesn't surprise me that this movie is being deemed so accurate because it, it is how we would all react in real life clearly as we're seeing. And the, but the virus in the movie is a little bit more extreme. These people die within a few days and it's like horrible, like seizures um, yeah, and it's a twenty-five percent death rate too. Yeah, yeah, it is. A, it's like a, a worse virus than the one that we're going through now, mm-hmm. but um, 
not to diminish well, that also, now, well that also a 25 percent death rate disease i mean it would burn out really quickly because that's kind of one yeah. of the the insidious things about the disease that we're the virus we're dealing with now is that because it's a low death rate but a high infection rate mm-hmm. um it's going to last a lot longer diseases that mm-hmm. have a higher death rate kill their victims too fast <laughs> you don't want to as a disease right. yeah. for survival mm-hmm. mechanism you don't want to kill quickly and fast i mean so it's Hill, usually yeah go ahead how much do you know about um because you've seen the movie but just not really really recently yeah um, how much do you know about like the cdc reaction and like the lawrence fishburne kate winslet element of this like is it realistic that kate would have been sent like to the front lines in minnesota and potentially like get sick herself because like Kate Winslet dies halfway through the movie because she was responding on behalf of the CDC. And then Lawrence Fishburne has all of these sort of moral dilemma situations happening with he gets the, the vaccine and who does he choose to give it to? Who does he choose to give a warning about leaving town and things like that before the information is public? Is that... Um, and even things like the thing, the part that really lost me was when Marion Cotillard gets kidnapped um, for the virus. <laughs> is all that kind of stuff like pure filmmaking exaggeration, or is there some sort of grounding in like the public health reaction side of it? Uh, both. So you're definitely going to have CDC officers traveling to um, to Ground Zero as much as they can, um, especially. I mean because this came out of um, a different country, I doubt anyone from the CDC was there, but not, but they probably, they probably were people in Wuhan within a week or two of everything, finding it out, assuming they were allowed in. Um, Because I think in this movie, it it breaks out in Minnesota or something. Um, You know, we have the CDC has full uh, permission to go there, you know, can just go and and take over the case Um, to compare to another movie slash tv show that did a great job with how disease outbreaks start um if you guys ever watched fx is the strain that's also a good example of how kind of the cdc would handle that sort of situation where they would send a team of scientists that is definitely real um i think the ethical side of Lawrence fishburne's character and you know my really brief read of the wikipedia article <laughs> um is probably a little bit more dram- uh, dramatized or drama yeah, it's probably more, um, you know, built up than it should be. But it also just depends on the individual in that role of power. You know, are they going to the ethics of revealing that kind of information early versus um, public good? All of that kind of stuff is definitely something we play, we discuss in our school of public health. It plays into it. So it just kind of depends on that character. Um, yeah. and it is, it would be likely for, you know, Kate Winslet's character, especially with the, this disease to get it because as we're seeing now, you know, the health officials are usually the first people to get sick outside yeah, which of, is, you know, the first responders are almost always the second wave. Yeah. Which is like the horrible, uh, irony is that the people we need, like right now, especially in the States, I was mm-hmm. just hearing this on Pod Save America, so I'm just repeating it for everybody, even though I'm sure everyone listens to that. Um, but apparently, the because of the there's not enough testing, people who show any symptoms at all who had come in contact with a patient get sent home for two weeks. And so now there's no medical staff. Whereas if you had the resources to just test them on the spot and clear them, you could put them back into the field. But because um, no one's, there aren't enough testing 
facilities or there aren't enough testing kits really um people are being sent home into self-isolation after exposure and then it's literally taking the necessary people off the front lines who would be helping fight the disease yeah i mean to go to another um uh, infectious disease outbreak we look at ebola 2015 2014 2015 um you know countries like liberia sierra leone uh guinea lost 50 percent of their health workforce and in our oh God, countries really? that already, yeah, something like that. And countries that already did not have very solid workforce. So like health infrastructure. So Jeez. yeah, it's a real, it's a real concern. Okay. But the kidnapping's not real, right? Probably no, not. No, <laughs> not unless she literally has the vaccine in her hand and it's getting real serious, which maybe that was the plot point. I don't remember. I was finding the movie really scary specifically because it was so realistic. Like that opening montage with everybody just touching. Touching everything. Yeah. 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 Great montage. It was terrifying. And then Marion Cotillard got kidnapped and I was like, oh, okay. It's like a movie movie. (laughs) Um, I also thought something that I think was funny in like a sort of larger accidental thematic sense is like just of course Matt Damon's immune. Just like, <laughs> of course he is. Has he ever died Damon. from anything? I mean, <laughs> I, I think he yeah, grew up yeah, in gravity, and that's about yeah. it. <laughs> he's not in gravity, but he no, he gets rescued in the Martian, is what you're confusing it with. No, no, in, it was gravity, right? There is. Oh. Yeah, yeah, he's the like secret they find him. Or no, was that's it Interstellar? No, Interstellar. One of those yeah. ones. Oh. <laughs> he's like the anti. Um, <laughs> like never dies. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. and he's just like, it's it's so just like, I don't know. There's something about Matt Damon as representative <laughs> of just like the quintessential like white straight American male that like everybody else is dying. Like Lawrence Fishburne's life is just turning upside down. But Matt Damon, he's fine. He doesn't even need the vaccine. He, I don't even, and I think he was totally fine with his family members dying. He hardly even cried. Like, Wasn't that like his stepson like, according to Wikipedia? So yeah, because then yeah. they do this yeah. thing about like his is his daughter immune because she's his biological daughter and like yeah, yeah. so it's his stepson and Gwyneth Paltrow who he clearly didn't care <laughs> much about. Well, there's also an awkward plot point where it's like she was cheating on him, and so like he deals with that like harder than anything else. Yeah, right. Yeah, and then but that, that's also I was wondering about that. Is that supposed to be? "Quote unquote" character development, or is that just explaining how the virus got spread in Chicago? Because my understanding is that she is like patient zero, both in China and is the person who brings it from China to the U.S. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be both, and it is successfully neither. <laughs> yeah. There was probably a longer thread with like Matt Damon's like family and all that. Like he was probably the main thread before in the writing, and maybe it just fell through and. There's just little bits of it now. That's very possible because one of the questions I had written down is like, because of the fractured storytelling and the lack of clear narrative, is there a protagonist? Like, <laughs> who is it? And like, who are we supposed to be following if not necessarily well, caring about The it? virus, right? yeah. Oh my God, are we cheering for the virus? Well, yeah. <laughs> Antihero, yeah. Wow, that's actually really, I hadn't even thought of that. Sure, <laughs> where they're the one that goes on the hero's journey, <laughs> like the rise and the fall. <laughs> I mean, Jennifer Ailey character is, uh, she's pretty heroic, I guess, but you can look. Yeah, but she's in, she's introduced too late. Like that oh, was yeah, what I was yeah. thinking with like, 
Kate Winslet has a moment when she seems like the protagonist, but she comes in late and she leaves early. Yeah. And there's no, we're not with anyone the whole way through, except you're right. The virus. Yeah. It's a very realistic. We get an origin story. (laughs) Very realistic storytelling, I think in many ways. You know, there's a lot of different people. Yeah. There's a lot of different people contributing to the story of the virus. You know, if we call the virus, the protagonist, or at least the (laughs) antihero, We have all these different people affecting it at various points in their life and it's life. It kind of makes sense that, you know, people come in and out and don't play as big a role as we expect them to. That does make a little bit of sense, actually. Okay, fine. I like this movie more now. If I know <laughs> that the, the virus is the protagonist. Fine, I guess. So here's another question I have. Why can't Jude Law be handsome? They give him this snaggle tooth because he's playing a bad guy. And this I didn't like, what is it about that character type that Soderbergh was not comfortable with the idea of it coming from Jude Law? It had to come from this like icky guy. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, I guess some of that is true. I mean, we have a Trump, um, but uh, at the same time, yeah, it could have, could just be a regular looking dude. <laughs> yeah, well, and I almost think it's almost more it doesn't seem to be the case. Like obviously you've got like Alex Jones is not, you know, a looker. Um, but there is something really dangerous about the idea of it coming from Jude Law, sort of normal Jude Law. Um, because people do have a tendency to believe like attractive people and want to put their faith in them and follow them places, um, metaphorically speaking and literally speaking. Um, I think he's almost scarier if he is the more appealing that he is. So I thought that was like an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Is it weird that I didn't notice he looked different? He just has like, they put a prosthetic tooth on him. So yeah. it's like a snaggle in the front. But it's hard. I didn't notice it at first, and I really noticed it in the third act, almost like it was getting yeah. worse. Yeah, <laughs> like, me too. I, they, they like filmed him through every angle with that tooth close up. Yeah, you could, you could tell it was even just like stuck on there. Is it a metaphor for something? <laughs> like, like, I'm we... sure it is. It's for the ugliness of his soul. Well, surely, is it something Except... about the movie watching public that we don't want? our hottest actors to portray bad guys and still be that handsome? <laughs> well, that's very possible. That's sort of what I was wondering. Like, why can't he look like Jude Law? Sort of like, why was Matt Damon Matt Damon? Right? Like, he's always that kind of guy. It's like, where do we place our heroes? It was an interesting... Yeah. But also, like, the tooth concept. seems like a bad choice even to do that as a choice because it's so um, it's so minor. It's like not... And, like... Like even Matt said, he hardly noticed it. But it's not racially specific. And I think that's like, there's a lot of things of like, when, especially historically, when we have bad guys that like we give them certain like characteristics that is, is not a good idea now. So I'm wondering if it's like generic because like anyone can have bad mm. Yeah, but why not Maybe. like a birthmark or a like really horrible hair or something? It's almost like like that's something they do in James Bond movies, right? They often have like some weird yeah. physical thing. Yeah, like um, Javier Bardem in like the last one, he looks like a psychopath. And Javier Bardem is like, I find him super attractive, but they make him all look kind of crazy in one way. 
specifically. Yeah, but that was also, Javier Bardem was coming off of, um, is it No Country for Old Men, the one with the haircut where he's like (laughs) the worst worst man in the world who also has the worst haircut? I don't know. There there was something really explicitly telegraphed in this film about um, who our heroes were and who, like, I don't know. I also thought it was really interesting. I, I'm a sucker for casting for specifically actors who've had long careers. Um, and so I am, I was very intrigued by this idea of like Gwyneth Paltrow and Matt Damon coming back together. Um, Cause they were, you know, they've worked together many times, but obviously um, I think of uh, the talented Mr. Ripley. Um, so anytime you have just like massive movie star power coming together, especially people with sort of, relationship baggage that they're bringing into it is interesting and I was thinking about the idea of a star-studded cast in the context of what we're going through right now because there was this weird moment where all of a sudden people who were not taking it seriously started taking it seriously when Tom Hanks got diagnosed once it started affecting Idris Elba now it's real so there was something about this idea of like star power and people we've seen for years and know so well it like when shit hits Matt Damon, things are going bad. <laughs> Except it didn't because he's immune. <laughs> um, did anybody have anything to say about like the f- technical filmmaking? This is like a Steve and Matt, like you love this kind of stuff. Um, I noticed the color, everything was yellow <laughs> the whole time. Yeah, um, I, I know the way it was shot. I noticed the similarities to like Aaron Brockovich and his, uh, the, his use of uh, music and cutting oh, things yeah. together. Um, there's just like a certain style of that that I felt was there. That was, I guess, his own little thing that he puts into it. Steven um, Soderbergh is famous for making yellow and blue scenery in all of his movies. Like Magic Mike, go back and you'll see only blue and yellow. Um, oh, Magic Mike is fully <laughs> color coded. Like the fun scenes are all blue and the, mm. the like serious and now their lives are terrible scenes are oh, yellow. Look at yeah. Ooh, interesting. Uh, the, like the thing that just... The, stood out to me was just the visual tension from like the first couple of shots just anytime something was being touched or had the potential to be touched that was just the thing that was kind of a through line like most prevalent in the beginning but there was just a lot of like shots that lingered on items that like we didn't necessarily see people putting their hands on but were there for the potential of uh, future cross-contamination and that's the thing that filmically stood out to me the most and made me the most uncomfortable which was yeah. great. Good job, Stephen. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting too, because then he would sort of puzzle piece it together. You saw a little bit of that in the way it came together in the end of like this is who how this is who that guy who got hit by the bus was. He was the bus boy, and like it all came together, sort of um, gradually like a puzzle. Yeah, and I thought like the last minute and a half where you actually see the disease get born through the adorable little pig which that pig was so cute. Oh my gosh. Like, I, uh, I'm sort of torn because a part of me liked having that resolution of having this entire movie with all the humans wondering how did this actually happen and then just being outright shown like, this is it. Bulldozer meets tree, meets bat, meets pig, meets slaughter floor, meets chef, meets Gwyneth Paltrow. But I also feel like would the movie have been stronger if we didn't have that resolution at the end and it was just left still a question? I'm not sure. That's sort of how, I mean, this virus started too. It was in this sort of uh, mixture of um, animals that uh, the community eats and 
something got created from it. Um, at least, I mean, I don't know if this is confirmed, but that's what the uh, the whole uh, idea of, or what we've been being told about this virus. Um, so, I mean, the beginning of, like, the ending of that is sort of like the question of, I mean, eating animals, uh, for instance, or um, just the way that, you know, they they farm things down in China. But now they're, it looks like that they're going to be changing all that. Um, so, I mean... Th- there is maybe some point to the ending there. I felt it was more like sort of Oedipus side of sort of um, um, structure where you get, you finally get the two people who transferred the baby over and you find the the link, the last link that we were missing. And that uh, kind of fills in the whole story. But yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. I kind of liked the idea that we, we found out at the end that it was just this little it's almost just like bad luck. This tiny little thing led to a tiny little thing, led to a tiny little thing, led to this massive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that sort of like, it, there's like a helplessness to that that I found incredibly effective and also horrible and terrifying and now I can't sleep. But you know, that's good <laughs> filmmaking. <laughs> um, I want to welcome Laura to the chat. Laura, can you hear us? I can. Hello. Hi, Laura. Hi. Hey, Hello. Laura. Hello. Sorry, I completely misunderstood, but you guys are having a wonderful conversation. It's very informative. (laughs) Laura did what quite a few people did, which was uh, log in thinking we're going to watch the movie now together. Um, So we've got sort of like half people who have watched the movie recently and half people who thought we were going to watch it now and are just being forced to talk about it. But, but you guys talk over the movie, guys. That's very impolite. I, I understand. I understand. But you guys but also are... do know it was not just you. Like half the people did that. Okay, I feel better. <laughs> feel much better. Um, so we're just ta- we're just talking about the at the at the very end of the movie. We find <laughs> out um, we're shown explicitly how the virus got started. Um, it's like starts with that, and it goes to a pig, and then it goes to a restaurant, and then it goes to Gwyneth Paltrow, and then Gwyneth Paltrow ruins everything. Um, <laughs> so we're just talking about the idea of being explicitly shown this in the end, um, and how that makes mm. us feel about uh, the resolution, and whether we'd rather not know and have it be. Um, like what's what do you think is the scarier option never knowing or seeing that it's such a small thing that can start it all I mean both are would seem equally terrifying to me does anybody else have any thoughts on the ending of the film I, I just I feel like tacking that onto the end it turns it less into a movie that is actually about people and relationships which we already know it really isn't and it's more it solidifies it as a cautionary tale of which the moral is wash your hands which is why i think it's a really good movie for right now is it a good movie when you're not living in quarantine yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh man it is it is it's trending right now and it's a movie from 2011 that sort of did middlingly like it's a fine movie um but it is trending right now everyone's just like sitting in quarantine in their global (laughs) quarantine all sitting and watching contagion at the same time are you a bunch Um, of masochists i have to wonder (laughs) uh yeah it's well we have a couple people who are in the corona movie club who decided to opt out of this episode because it was too upsetting like they started watching it we're just like i cannot do this to myself i'll catch you on the next episode (laughs) (laughs) which is going to be outbreak no i'm just kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm kind of thinking Anna and the Apocalypse, though, and that's like also about an infection, but at least it's a zombie <laughs> musical, so it's a little bit more fun. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, we could do Repo the Genetic Opera. Ooh. I know that people in that. Netflix? Something that's only just occurred to me is that there is a difference between American Netflix and Canadian Netflix, and we're going to have to like oh, yeah. sync that up. Mm. Yeah, because apparently Contagion's not on American Netflix, and this became a thing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> it probably will be by next week. Yeah, pro- well, it's sure bad it's business for it not to be. <laughs> it was on Crave for me, so. Uh, Crave is very useful. <laughs> but uh, so does anyone else have any final thoughts about Contagion, the scariest film of 2020 that came out in 2011? <laughs> um, just the, the idea of like uh, people trying to get ahead, ahead in the lines and trying to get, get the, vo- the vaccine and just trying to get food like that sort of we're kind of seeing that right now um, just with toilet paper. but. well yeah but it also does they do a really good job of showing like social privilege and how it factors in and who has access and all that kind of stuff um how they decide who gets things first um they were trying to make it about something bigger right like the one part of the movie that i really liked was the showdown between jude and lawrence on tv where like you have two characters one of which you kind of solidify in your head is the good guy versus the bad guy, but then Jude Law like presents valid concerns, saying you're abusing your position and using it for personal gain just to like save the people around you. And then I think that was like the most dramatically interesting and also true to life moment of conflict in the film that I really liked. That was really interesting. Yeah, right, yeah. Even like say Jude Law was a good a good character, a good person, had good intentions. Um I mean, a lot of his arguments were uh, could could be valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly, and I think that like creating that balance and that gray zone is so important, um, and just like good basic good storytelling, right? Because there are no, I mean, caveats, whatever. But like, I tend to believe there are no heroes and villains in the world. There are just like people, <laughs> and so the idea of adding shades of gray and some moral complexity to uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character and then throwing in that janitor who overhears him mm-hmm. so then and he looks like he's hit he's gonna turn him in and then he just like gives him the vaccine all this kind of stuff the idea of the moral ambiguity and but is it moral ambiguity really like is our duty to always to society when we could save our loved one um it's not for him it's for his wife so you know does does what is the morally right thing to do? Does that shift? I, or is I was there like a standard? I was sort of unclear about, um, like, he had two vaccines and he gave, did he purposely give one to the janitor's son? Or was it actually for him and his wife? I think what he did is he gave, he had two vaccines, one for him and one of his one for his wife. He gave his dose to the janitor's son. Right. Okay. And then put the, the um, vaccine bracelet on himself to show uh, that he, but then I think he should have then contracted it in the end. Ah, uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a yeah. Those are good points. All those. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, kind of, to kind of go back to your question, Kelly, I think you know, coming from a again from a public health point of view, public health is by definition, you know, for the greater good. It's not 
individualistic. Like medicine is about the individual, whereas public health is about the public. And so, um, again, didn't see this, uh, but he is a virologist or I can't, I don't know what his character was, but if he's a public health professional, then ethically, morally, his answer should have been for everybody. So, and he should have, you know, not abused his power in that way, at least coming from a point of, uh, the point of view of someone in public health. But again, that does sound like the more interesting, uh, dramatic choice and cinema yeah. and, uh, you know, much more interesting to watch for sure. And that's where you get down into the, the difference between telling a story the way it would have happened and telling the story the most cinematic way. I remember having this conversation a lot, uh, specifically with a Cana- an older generation of Canadians around Argo, because a lot of people were extremely upset that they didn't tell the story more faithfully and really emphasize how how genuinely integral the Canadians were. And like the Canadians were the ones who did like the actual life saving. But the Americans were the ones who did the wacky Hollywood part that makes a good movie. Mm. And so having to have that conversation where I'm explaining to an older Canadian who maybe studied history and politics that, <laughs> hey, I went to film school, though, and let me tell you about storytelling-wise, Ben Affleck had to have it, even <laughs> though that was not the actual story. I'm feeling attacked over here. <laughs> <laughs> Because of your Americanness, we do both. Okay, the life saving and the Hollywood. Okay. <laughs> I do think. I mean, I will say though, I think it's it's sh- the current situation is showing that you know it's going to probably play out that way anyway when we get a vaccine. I mean, ethics be damned. We've got uh, leaders who are not always um, very good or honest or fair and you know they're gonna hoard what they can and help those um who it benefits them to help and that's not gonna be us probably yeah usually um things that benefit most people like the the uh, basic necessities of just food and water and electricity and all that that's sort of always going to be there um, but in terms of who gets things first, yes. But uh, trying to fight for those things to get to places and cities and stuff is still going to be a big thing for politicians. Has anyone seen Pandemic on Netflix, the, the, the docu-series? No, it was recommended to me after I watched Contagion. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, Contagion's going to mess with your algorithm. Pandemic was something that it took me, like, three weeks to get through episode one and then I just kind of committed to it and by the end it was enthralling like it's the superhero narrative of the year in my opinion and it it was filmed before like it's not about um like corona or anything like that it's just about when there isn't an outbreak who are the people sort of just like working day to day to prevent an outbreak and kind of trying to just keep the lid on things um from in a day-to-day life situation in case of a pandemic. And it was fascinating stuff. If you're interested in public health and sort of the real life side of all of this, Mm. I highly recommend pandemic on Netflix. If you can stomach it, although it made me feel, I think better in the long run, although it is still scary just to have any, any conversation about obviously pandemics. (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> but yeah, I found it helpful. Made me feel like there were people in the world who were really trying. <laughs> That's something. <laughs> yep. I will. I'll say that we in public health like to say that you, um, our job is to work ourselves either out of a job or to you for you to never know we're there. Like we're, yeah. we're doing, so you're like hinge. Yeah. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Designed to be deleted. <laughs> exactly. Um, so does anyone else have any anything else to say about the Steven Soderbergh 2011 film Contagion? I look forward to seeing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we are going to get our act together before next week. I'm going to send out a schedule. We're going to really clarify how it all works. Um, but okay, if no one else has anything else to say, we're going to wrap it up. Thanks so much for joining us all today, guys. Was fun. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Kelly. This is awesome. So that's it for this episode of the Corona Movie Club. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we're going to be doing this three times a week, so there's going to be tons of content because we know right now what we need in this world really is content. We're all so bored. So make sure to tune in every time. Subscribe on iTunes. It's just the My Entertainment World podcast, um, as well as follow on the website, myentertainmentworld.ca, on social. We have Twitter and Instagram, at myentworld. That's my E-N-T world. Um, to stay up with everything that we're doing and we're going to post the schedule so you guys can watch the movies along with us and then tune in for the discussions as we go along because we know you need something to do too because we know you're social isolating as well right right okay stay safe out there guys bye <laughs>